Welcome to the Moving Markets podcast on Monday, the 24th of July, with me, Bernadette and Erko. This week, we'll be finishing our deep dive into our mid-year market outlook, concluding with currencies. Our chief economist, David Cole, will be joining the show to talk about his currency outlook tomorrow. And Tim Gagey, our head of FX sales in Geneva, will tell us how this is playing out with investors on Friday. So don't miss those shows. But this morning, Roman Canciani is going to bring us up to speed on what the market activity has been since we went home on Friday. And Mensa Pachinchi is going to tell us a story to start the week. Wait and see. But first, Roman's here to fill us on the, in the events that have been moving markets since last Friday. Good morning, Roman. Good morning, Bernadette. So, Roman, uh, while the offices here in Switzerland are emptying quickly for summer vacations, traders are remaining on tenterhooks considering central bank actions expected this week and the Q2 earnings season picking up speed. I think this week alone, about 170 companies of the S&P 500 are to report on their Q2 results. So to start off this week, how have markets been behaving with all the news? Well, yes, markets have actually performed quite well in recent days, given all the noise. Some good earnings results and signs of easy inflation across the developed world have certainly helped. In terms of stock market performance, the UK's FTSE 100 stood out last week and in the week up more than 3% helped by lower than expected inflation and higher than expected retail sales figures. The rather remarkable second best performing stock market in Europe was Spain last week, where the main index gained 1.4% ahead of yesterday's election, which produced a major surprise in that the Conservative parties united will not be able to form a government without the consent of the current ruling socialists. An inconclusive vote in Spain may not go down well with investors in the country, so let's see how the markets fare today. Interesting indeed. I, I guess we'll just have to see how that plays out then in the longer term. But um, other European stock markets didn't do as well as Spain and the UK last week. Is that right? Well, not really or only partially. Many traders feel somewhat uncomfortable with the euro trading at 17-month highs against the US dollar and even at three-year highs against the Chinese yuan. This is not a good situation for European companies, which are much more dependent on exports rather than, exports rather than their US counterparts, for example. So no broad and real catch-up by European equities uh, with the US, but still a continuation of the summer rally. US equities were also mostly higher last week, with the Dow Jones up 2% and the S&P 500 up 0.7% over the week, although both indices uh, barely moved on Friday. The worst performing index on Friday and for the week was the Nasdaq, which ended in the red after defensive sectors such as utilities and healthcare were more in demand. Okay, so um, stocks are doing well overall, uh, with the S&P 500 only 5.7% away from its all-time high. What about the actions overnight in Asia? Well, most Asian equities are trading higher in the Asia-Pacific region, with Japan once again leading the pack as the yen weakens. Things are less positive in Hong Kong and China, both of which are lower today after falling last week as confidence wanes that policy support uh, for financial markets will be stepped up in the coming weeks. Okay, so you said it at the beginning, it's going to be another busy week on financial markets. Can you just uh, fill us in on what's going to happen when then? 
<laughs> yes, of course. Well, first of all, we are expecting news from all three major central banks this week, uh, with the Federal Reserve likely to raise rates by another 25 basis points on Wednesday, followed by the European Central Bank on Thursday. While the decisions themselves are fairly uncontroversial, uh, traders will be looking to the post-event press conferences for clues as to the future direction of regional monetary policy. And the Bank of Japan is also due to announce its monetary policy decision on Friday. As mentioned before, the yen is down again today after traders have had already sold the currency down on Friday last week on news that the BOJ officials see little urgent need to address the side effects of its yield curve program. So despite inflation in Japan now being higher than in the US, it is considered unlikely that the uh, BOJ will announce any change in monetary policy this coming Friday. Okay, so there is some action expected in fixed income and currencies then. Um, what about equities? Well, from a broader perspective, the big question seems to be whether the rally in a handful of mega caps can broaden further. There are indeed some tentative signs of this across equity markets, and a positive earnings season would obviously help. And this week, it's a big one for earnings, with Alphabet, ExxonMobil, Meta and Microsoft all reporting. And in Europe, a lot of eyes will be on, the three, uh, on three of the German car makers reporting towards the end of the week. Uh, traders will be scrutinizing their numbers to find out more about the state of the European economy. Well, that's it from me. Thank you so much, Roman. And now is the time of the show when I welcome our expert guest. Today, it's Mensor Pacinzi, our Head of Technical Analysis. Good morning, Mensor. Good morning, Bernadette. Well, Mensor, I said that you were going to tell us a story today. And of course, the story I'm talking about is Goldilocks and the Three Bears. In that scenario, Goldilocks was delighted to find that the baby bear's porridge was neither too hot nor too cold, but just right. So with the S&P 500 having risen through that 4,500 level and with markets expecting that we're approaching the end of the interest rate cycle, are we now entering a Goldilocks period for the stock markets? Yes, um, exactly right. So basically in the equity market, we can see that the S&P fund continues its advance from the October lows. So it has risen above its 200-day moving average. It has risen above 4,500 and is probably on track to rise to new all-time highs. On the other coin of the story are interest rates. So when we look here at interest rates, basically we see that in October, simultaneously when equities bottomed, interest rates peaked. They have now gone sideways and are testing their 200-day moving average. When we look back historically, a combination of rising equities, implying demand, healthy demand by investors for equities, and falling interest rates is basically one of the best combinations. So you could basically summarize it by saying that there is broad-based demand for equities in the environment where the economy is not running too hot, and that's why interest rates are declining. So when we look back basically over the past uh, 100 years, then basically we can see that the S&P 500 has returned on average 15% annualized when it was rising and interest rates were declining. Uh, on the contrast, if interest rates were rising and equities were declining, then the S&P declined by about 3% per annum. So a, a really powerful duo of rising equities and declining interest rates. So for this, we are watching uh, the key level in the US Treasury yield at 368, 360. If those breaks, then we think we are going, we are entering a Goldilocks scenario. 
Okay, thanks for that, Mensor. But that all sounds very positive for investors. But when I look at the Nasdaq 100, which Roman already mentioned earlier, uh, dropped uh, at the end of last week, I see it with particularly large volumes on Friday. Was this something as simple as disappointing earnings or the index being rebalanced? Or is there something else with the tech stocks that investors need to be concerned about? Uh, I mean, basically, from a technical point of view, we can say the Nasdaq still remains the leader. It had a strong run, and last week it had one day where it declined by more than 2%. When we look at historic history for a possible guidance, then we see that these large one-day declines within an established uptrend are basically nothing else than a reset of the uptrend. So what does happen when we have a week like this or when we have a 2% decline in the Nasdaq? Basically, it curbs the enthusiasm of investors. So it prolongs the uptrend. So this is basically a good sign from uh, from the equity market, and usually it extends the run. Uh, important would be, of course, to see that the Nasdaq 100 can stabilize this week and the following week. But usually, uh, after these kind of declines, uh, the Nasdaq goes sideways one or two weeks before it resumes its uptrend. So a very healthy and welcome uh, short-term setback. Okay, thank you for clarifying that, Mensa. Um, is there anything else you think we should be watching out for as we head into the holiday season? Yes, uh, I, I just think that uh, you should be watching the S&P 500. It should stay above 4,500 and then it will remain on track to rise uh, to new all-time highs in the interest rates 368, 360 or the key levels on the US Treasury yield. If those break, then basically with a balanced um, portfolio, you will do best. You will earn money on your bonds and you will earn money on the equity market. Thank you for such a positive start to the week, Mensor. Well, that's it for today's podcast. I'd like to thank my guests for contributing and you for listening. If you enjoyed today's show, please give us a review on whichever platform you choose to listen to us. And please join me again tomorrow for a special look at our currency outlook for the rest of the year. Meanwhile, good luck today and goodbye for now. The information and opinions expressed in this podcast constitute marketing material and are not the result of independent financial or investment research. Please refer to www.juliasbear.com forward slash legal forward slash podcasts for further other important legal information. Beyond Markets is a weekly podcast where Julius Bear experts and external speakers discuss some of the latest market developments. They share their key research and insights on today's ever-changing economic landscape and present practical advice. Search for Beyond Markets on your favorite podcast player.